0: Answer me, for I am poor and needy. Preserve my life, for I am devoted to you. Save your servant who trusts in you. You are my God. Be gracious to me, O Lord, for to you do I cry all day long. Gladden the soul of your servant. Listen to my cry, supplication. In the day of my trouble, I call you, for you answer me. There is none like you among the gods, O Lord, nor are there any works like yours. All the nations you have made shall come and bow down before you, O Lord, and shall glorify your name, for you are great and do wondrous things, you alone. Teach me your way, O Lord, that I may walk in your truth. Give me an undivided heart to revere your name. I give thanks to you, O Lord my God, with my whole heart, and I will glorify your name forever. For great is your steadfast love toward me. You have delivered my soul from the depths of Sheol. To me, give your strength to your servant, save the child of your serving girl. Show me a sign of your favor, so that those who hate me may see it and be put to shame. Because you, Lord, have helped me and comforted me. Because you, Lord, have helped me and comforted me.
1: This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Well, good morning, UPC family. I know you're wondering this morning where we are. Well, we're at Fort Casey early in the morning. And on our way here, it was very foggy, and it's still foggy. And we had to depend on God to get here. And here we are in front of one of the last cannons of the 35 cannons that used by artillery soldiers to protect the puget sound area Uh, these soldiers protected this area uh, from 1909 to 1945 and here we are today uh, in front of one of the last cannons and and as we stand here, it's it's peaceful out here this morning Uh, there's there's no sign of war there's only a sign of peace this morning here uh, at fort casey and so we are thank God for this morning, that his grace is always sufficient, and his His mercies are new every morning. Uh, I want to talk to you today, uh, share a message with you today about a declaration of dependence, uh, that we need God, that we utterly depend on God. And our scripture today is taken from Psalm 86. I just want to share a little story with you that really gave me a sense of how much I needed God. Uh, A good few years ago, just before my wife and I were dating, I had just bought a brand new car, 1986 Monte Carlo. And I was so proud of that car. And one day I was driving down the road and making a left turn at a light that was about to turn red and I was turning on yellow. Another car was coming in the other direction, and a car hit me on the tail end, and I went into a spin in that car, and I, all I could do was hold the wheel and say, Lord, have mercy on me. And as that car was spinning, it landed on the corner uh, where a church was located, and all I could do was thank God. I was, I was nervous. I was afraid, and I can remember going to the hospital that, right after that accident. And I was sitting in the emergency room and there in the emergency room was a picture and it had these words on it, relax, God's in control. It simply said, relax, God is in control. And my heart rate went down and I began to focus on the fact that God is in control. And, and that's what depending on God really means, that we've got to depend on him so much that the locus of control is out of our hands and into God's hands. Sometimes it's hard to release control over to God, but he can handle our lives much better than we can. Uh, he can handle everything that comes with life much better than we can. And a a credible witness to that is David in Psalm 86. Uh, Psalm 86 is an individual lament song. It's a song where David focuses on God. Uh, He declares his utter dependence on God. Uh, But also it's a lament song in the sense that David begins to express his complaints uh, toward God is also, and also about his enemies. One of the things we learn from David in his psalm is that it's all right to complain to God. God can handle our complaints. He can handle our doubts. He can handle our questions. Uh, so I want us to look at Psalm 86 this morning. I want to read these first few verses to you because David teaches us uh, what depending on God looks like. He says in verse 1, Incline your ear, O Lord, and answer me. For I am poor and needy. Preserve my life, for I am devoted to you. Save your servant who trusts in you. You are my God. Be gracious to me, O Lord, for to you do I cry all day long. This is a supplication for help against David's enemies. He's, he's praying for God to, to help him. And he, he's praying that God would incline his ear to him. First thing we, I want us to see in this text today is David is committed to a dependent life on God. And I want you to rem- remember this phrase because at the end of the day, this, this psalm is a prayer. And I want you to remember this phrase, this phrase, Lord, I'm depending on you to, and then you include whatever you want to put there. Lord, I'm in, I'm depending on you to defend me. I'm depending on you, Lord, to provide for me. I'm depending on you. Uh, that that's something that we should include in our prayer life. Lord, I am depending on you. And this is what David is saying. He says, Lord, incline your ear, O Lord, and answer me. Uh, this, this phrase, O Lord, is used in Psalm 86 11 times. It's used 11 times. And, and really, this is a very simple prayer, but very profound prayer. One writer puts it this way that David prays with a sustained concentration on the character of God. What what a beautiful phrase, that David prays with a sustained concentration on the character of God. And and that's what what we we have to do, is that we must pray with a, a sustained, focus. Concentration on the character of God, on who God is. That whenever we pray, let's acknowledge the fact that, that God's character is above measure. And, and when we pray with that sustained concentration, it builds uh, a sense of focus in our lives. And, and it, it helps us to understand the importance of the sovereignty of God in our lives. And then David says, for I am poor and needy. I'm poor, Lord, and needy. Compared to God, we're all poor and needy. We all desperately need God. Uh, you may be a millionaire, but compared to God, you're still poor and needy. You may be the smartest man, a woman in the world, but compared to God, you're still poor and needy because you can't wake yourself up. You can't keep yourself in your right mind. Uh, whatever, uh, whatever assets you have compared to God, we're all in a state of poverty and we need God. David is a king right here and he says to, to God, Lord, I'm poor. I'm needy. I need your protection against my enemies. And and so David takes a posture of humility. And that's at the end of the day, that's what prayer is all about. It's, It's a posture of humility. We are declaring, Lord, I need you. I'm depending on you to live this life that you have entrusted to me, to be a good steward of the life that you have given me. Prayer, as one writer has said, prayer is a voice of dependence. It's a voice of dependence that when we pray, we are crying out to God, Lord, I desperately need you. I desperately need you. Prayer is about talking to God. It's a finite person talking to an infinite, all-wise God. And here David is. We don't know the situation that David is in, because when we read Psalm 86, there's no context by which we uh, know of or what David is in. Like in Psalm 63, we know that David, is, as his son Absalom, has us- usurped his authority, so we know the context of that. In most of the Psalms where David is running, he's usually running from Saul or one of, one of his enemies. But in this Psalm, uh, there's no particular context that we uh, can take notice of in the earlier chapters, but here, David declares that I am poor and needy, and he expresses a voice of dependence, and we have to depend on God. No matter what the circumstances are, God wants us to depend on him when things are going well and when things are not going well. Now, sometimes when things are going well, things have a way of slipping up on us when we uh, we so we have to always stay watchful even when things are going well in life but also prayer is a movement toward the heart of god that our heart moves toward god's heart and so when we read psalm 86 we see this movement of david toward the heart of God. God 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 is is pleased with David in the sense that he he's considered to be a man after God's own heart and, and David wants his heart to be in alignment with God's heart Question comes today is your heart in alignment with God's heart Prayer moves us toward the heart of God and that pleases God whenever we move toward his heart. And whenever we express our utter dependence on God, this is what David teaches us first and foremost, that a a dependent life is a humble life. A dependent life is a prayerful life on God. I want you to walk with me as David begins to teach us what it looks like to depend on God and that we too may make a declaration of utter dependence on God. Amen. making a declaration of dependence on God. And we're saying, Lord, I'm depending on you. I'm depending on you. Whatever comes my way, Lord, I'm depending on you. This is what David teaches us. And as our spiritual guide, David shows us what it looks like to depend on God. Uh, Look at what David says here. I want us to Also, just understand that this is an individual lament uh, psalm. It's a psalm where David is vulnerable with God, Uh, he's very much in touch with his emotions. And David is crying out to God. He says, I don't care who hears me, uh, I'm crying out to you, O Lord, because you're the only one that can help me in the situation that I'm in. So, David shows us what it looks like to live a dependent life. Uh, Look at these phrases that he uses here in verse 2 Preserve my life, for I am devoted to you. He said, Lord, I'm depending on you to preserve my life. Uh, Being a king, uh, David always had a target on his back, Uh, being in the front line of an army. David is saying, Lord, I'm depending on you to preserve my life. Then in verse 4, he says, Gladden the soul of your servant, for to you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. David is saying there, Lord, I'm depending on you to bring gladness to my soul, that my joy comes from you. You are the source, Lord, of my joy. And then in verse 6, he says, give ear, O Lord, to my prayer. Listen to my cry of supplication. David is saying there, Lord, I'm depending on you to hear my prayer, to hear my supplication. If, If you can't help me, Lord, then nobody can help me. So David prays this prayer, this individual lament, this complaint psalm, but also he looks up To God. He lifts his eyes up to God in the state that he's in. He's in distress right now. This is a psalm of disorientation. In other words, uh, all is not well with David right now. The kingdom is not going well with David right now. Uh, There's something going on in his family life right now, and so this is a Uh, a psalm of disorientation. And so when you're in a season of disorientation, uh, don't think that it has caught God by surprise. As a matter of fact, he's brought you into this season of disorientation. But what happens when God brings us into that season where we are disoriented? Well, there's some things that God wants us to unlearn. There are some things that we may have picked up along the way that may be detrimental to our spiritual health. Uh, There are some habits, some practices that may be working against our relationship with God. And God says, I've got to move that out of the way. And so what God begins to do in a season of disorientation, he begins to dismantle some of the things in our lives that's detrimental to our spiritual health. If it's jealousy, he says, I've got to remove that jealousy out of your life. If if there's anger, uh, I've got to remove that anger out of your life. If there's an ideology or a way of thinking that is not of God, God says, I've got to shape his or her thinking, I've got to remove that out of his heart, out of her heart, out of their lives. Because at the end of the day, God is concerned about our spiritual maturity and our emotional health. Uh, Peter Scazzaro talks about the relationship between uh, emotional health and spiritual maturity, that you cannot have, you cannot be emotionally healthy uh, and be spiritually immature; that these two things go hand in hand, and so we see David as a man who is very much in touch with his emotions; that he's he's emotionally healthy because he's always telling God how he feels. He's always telling God where he fe- where how he feels. He's complaining to God, and see, God can handle all of your complaints. You know, I think in, in our evangelical world, sometimes it seems that, we, uh, that we're taught not to complain, uh, but God knows what we're thinking, uh, that we're advised not to doubt God or not to question God. God knows the questions that we have. Even if we don't say it out loud, God knows where we are emotionally, And so here's what God is always doing in this season of disorientation. He's moving us toward him. He's moving us toward him. And sometimes that movement is very slow, very methodical. Uh, God often moves us toward him in such a way where it's not a straight line. It's through a journey because there's some things that, We've got to take off of us, that God wants us to take off of us. And so here, David helps us to understand what God does in the process of disorientation. And then he says here in verse 7, In the day of my trouble, I call on you, for you will answer me. There is none like you among the gods, O Lord nor are there any works like yours. David helps us to understand how he's fixated on the sovereignty of God. He's fixated on what God is able to do. He's declaring his dependence on God, and he continues to use the word, O Lord, O Lord, O Lord. But then when in reference to himself, he says... I'm your servant. So he understands that here you have an infinite all-wise God and you have a finite servant. David understands that God's ways are higher than our ways and his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And so it behooves us today that we get God's ways and his thoughts into our spiritual system. One writer puts it this way, that the Psalms describe God as the enemy of the proud and a friend to the humble. In other words, what the writer is saying is that God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. And so that means that we should always be in a posture of humility if we ever want anything from God. As we stand here today in front of Fort Casey, and just 30 minutes ago, it was quite foggy out here, and we were de- depending on God to clear up the fog, and as the sun got higher, the fog dissipated. There's a message in there somewhere that as the sun gets higher, as we look to the sun, not the S-U-N, but the S-O-N, that the fog in our lives begins to dissipate, that when we get a clearer, clearer vision of God, a clearer vision of the sun, that when things are foggy in our lives, we just keep our eyes on the sun, and God will give us clarity. He will give us understanding. He will help us to see more clearly what he's doing in our lives. So this is what David teaches us about a dependent life, but he has some more to teach us, and, and he wants, to, wants us to understand also that a dependent life leads to a dependent heart and a dependent mind. So continue to walk with me today as we talk about what David is doing in, in terms of our declaration of dependence and what that looks like. Amen. Amen. Only does David teach us about a life that is dependent on God, but also David teaches us that we have have to have a heart and a mind that is dependent on God. Look at what he says here in verse 11 of Psalm 86 He says, Teach me your way, O Lord, that I may walk in your truth. Give me an undivided heart to revere your name. David says, Lord, I need you to teach me your way. Be my instructor. And what David is referring to is the Torah because that's, that's where David got his instruction to walk in the ways of God. So he says, teach me your way, O Lord. Lord, give me a heart and a mind that is dependent on you. He says, give me an un." Divided heart to revere your name. What David is emphasizing here is that God wants to unite our hearts, that our heart is not divided, that it is not conflicted. He wants us to have a heart that is devoted to him because when we have a divided heart, God can't bless us with all of the things that he desires to give us. That's why David is instructed to live in light of God's love for him. We, we see this constant statement of God's loving kindness, his hesit. Because when we have a divided heart, a heart that is divided in the sense that we, we have our will and we have God's will, and we've got to submit our will to the will of God. I think Many of the problems and challenges that we have in our lives today is, uh, is that we have an undivided heart. We have uh, a loyalty to anything other than God. Sometimes the self uh, is more uh, loyal. We're more loyal to ourselves than we are to God. Uh, we're more loyal to what we want out of life than, than we are to God. But when we have a heart that is united, that is not divided, we love the world and we love God. God says, you've got to love me more than you love the world. And that's why the wisdom literature tells us to guard our hearts because out of it flows the issues of life. Most of the drama that we incur in our lives is a result of of, of a divided heart. Most of the challenges and the issues that that we are confronted with is because we have a divided heart. David is fully aware of this because in Psalm 51, we see that David's heart is divided. He loves God. He is a man after God's own heart. But sin seeps in. When sin seeps in, it, it divides our loyalties. So that's where pride seeps in. And so... David says, Lord, teach me your way, O Lord, that I may walk in your truth and give me an undivided heart to revere your name. So David, in so many words, saying, I'm depending on you, Lord, to unite my heart. I can't do it by myself. I'm depending on you to unite my heart. You know, when we think about depending on God, you know, in the physical realm of life, We're taught to to grow up in such a way where we become more independent, more independent of the parents who raised us. Uh, We're taught to think our own thoughts and to move out of the house, to get our own homes and to buy our own cars. And we're taught to be independent in the physical realm of life. But it's quite the opposite in the spiritual realm. God wants us to move from independence to dependence you see dependence in the spiritual realm is an act of spiritual maturity because we never get to a point in our relationship with God where we are uh, where we graduate to the sense where we act independently of God. you see that to act independently of God is is sin but when we are dependent on God, That's an act of faith. The just shall live by faith. What it's really saying is, Lord, I'm I'm trusting on you. Even though I can't see what you see, Lord, I'm trusting on you. I'm trusting in you. And so the closer we get to God, uh, the more dependent we become on God. And so we ask God to give us a heart and a mind that is dependent on him. In other words, Lord, let me think your thoughts. Your thoughts are better than my thoughts, dear God. Lord, show me how to think about uh, myself personally, Lord, uh, that you have created me in your own image and that I'm precious in your sight. God wants to replace our defective thoughts with his life-giving thoughts. That when we incorporate the thoughts of God into our minds, Uh, then we begin to be, we're able to stick our chest out. We're able to walk in confidence when we replace God's, our thoughts with God's thoughts. Because his ways are higher than our ways, brothers and sisters. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. His IQ is higher than our IQ. And so we have to trust the thoughts of God. That's what this Bible is all about. That's what the word of God is all about. Because the, the devil wants us to think less of ourselves, he wants us to he wants to uh, infect us with negativity, he wants to infect us with jealousy, with anger uh, with tension and strife, but God wants to replace that with his thoughts and we see this in the life of David. David knows that God's thoughts are better than his thoughts and so as we think about this in the 21st century. And even in the sense of this this season, the year 2020 has been a year of disorientation for the world, not only just for for us personally, but this has been a season of disorientation. And And I think that this season of disorientation, particularly for us as Christians, is that God wants to replace our thoughts with his thoughts. He wants us to think about the season of disorientation is that, Lord, I'm giving the control back over to you. This is what it's teaching us, that we're not in control as much as we think we are of our own lives. We're we're not in control of of what's going on in society as we think we are. All it takes is is a little virus to to change, uh, to help us to see how much we are in control of our own lives. And this is what David already understands this as, as, as a king, that he's, he desperately needs God, but, but we must also live with that conviction as well. So another thing I want lift to out, lift out in this passage is that God wants us to have a will that is dependent on him. Uh, He says, but you, O Lord, are a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. Turn to me and be gracious to me. Give your strength to your servant. Save the child of your serving maid. Show me a sign of your favor so that those who hate me may see it and be put to shame because you, Lord, have helped me and comforted me. You see David submitting his will to the will of God. Uh, We all have to come to that conclusion one day that we got to say the same thing that Jesus said as he was headed to Calvary. Lord, not my will, but let thine will be done. Uh, That we should incorporate that into our prayer life. Lord, not my will, but thine will will be done. God wants us to have a will that is dependent on him. In other words, we've got to submit our will to God. And some of us have some strong wills. Uh, we, we, We want things to work out our way, and we want to control things that will work out our way. We want to control circumstances But at the end of the day, God is the one who's in charge. He's the one who is sovereign. He's the one who is able to direct our paths. And so David says, God will give you a dependent will if you just seek him, a will that is dependent on him. You know, as we stand here in front of this this lighthouse, and we know that a lighthouse is, is one of those 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 things that guides the ships off of off of uncharted waters where where there's water and there's ships on the water and they can't find their way back to sh- back to shore. The lighthouse is that uh, that that institution, that building that guides uh, that ship back to safe shores. Jesus is like that lighthouse in our own lives that when we've lost our way, when we're on turbulent shores, when we're on turbulent waters, God is able to guide us back to himself. And there have been many times in David's life that he needed to be guided back to God. And God often provides a a lighthouse for David to come back to him. And and such is the case in our lives, that God wants to guide you back to himself. You know, There's a song that my grandmother used to sing. It says, shine on me, shine on me, O Lord. Let the light from the lighthouse shine on me. And what that song is saying, Lord, guide me back to your will, Lord. Guide me back to my first love, for you are my first love, O God. And so God wants us to have a a mind and a will that is dependent on him, a heart that is dependent on him but he also wants us to have a life that is dependent on him. You feel like you're out there by yourself and you, you have established your own independence from God. I want you to know today that your life was not meant to be lived independent of God. God wants you to come to a saving knowledge of himself through Jesus Christ. Jesus Did you know that Jesus died on the cross for your sins? Do you know that Jesus rose from the grave and declared that all power is in his hand? He didn't die on that cross for himself. He died on the cross for you. And if you're here and you're listening to this message today, it's no coincidence. God has brought you to himself and that you're hearing this message, but it's because God has been drawing you to himself for days, for months, for years, You've ignored God, but God never gives up on you. He's always, even when things are foggy, even when things don't seem very clear, God is drawing you to himself. And if you are listening to me today, I want you to pray this prayer with me. Father, I thank you for your son, Jesus Christ. I thank you for the awesome price that he paid for me on Calvary. And I ask, Lord, that you will forgive me for my sins, and I accept the free gift that you've given me through Jesus Christ. It is in Jesus' name I pray, amen. And if you prayed that prayer with me, I, I rejoice with you today. God has given you a newness of life. And there is a website at the bottom of the screen, upc.org Jesus. I want you to go to that website, and there will be someone there to talk with you and to walk with you, Uh, As you seal the deal on your relationship with Jesus Christ Don't let the devil tell you you're not saved now He's there with you He he wants to turn you around But God is right there with you So I want to encourage you today Go to that website Because we want to walk with you In your relationship with Jesus Christ Amen